Show. We come to you live weeknights at midnight Eastern, and we've got a couple people jumping in. Uh, Gary's jumping in from Kansas. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you, you, guys, guys. you bet. And then we got Taters jumping in from Michigan. Hey, thanks, hey, thanks for inviting. Yep. We've got a couple other links out there. If people want to join in, they will. Otherwise, uh, we're running a little bit late. I guess uh, Clover had been doing his Thursday show. Anybody watching that one, or were you guys in that one? Yeah, I was there. Uh, I was not. What were they talking about over there tonight? Oh, a little bit of everything. Mostly uh, they were asking everybody what the mission was for their channel and how YouTube fit in that mission. Yeah, sounds kind of cool. All right, got some people joining us out in the um, audience there. Thanks for joining if you want to uh, participate. Let us know. Use the chat. Uh, we have some topics tonight. It's Thursday, so I'm going to jump over and see what those are. As it opens up, anything else going on worth talking about? Uh, not that I know of. All right. Well, now let's jump in. Thanks for joining. Uh, we're going to talk about novelty guns then, I guess. Guns that are fun to use, but not practical. Guns that are fun to use, but are not practical. Mm -hmm. A 50 BMG. Right on. That's My favorite. My favorite novelty gun I own is my Mossberg Shockwave. It's, uh, so. I don't really think it's practical, but it's a lot of fun. Because of the gold trigger or because of the size? Uh, because there's no stock on it. Um, I could throw a stock on there. It would probably be pretty practical. But at that point, you're only you know, four inches shorter than just a regular shotgun. So I don't really feel like... SBRing it just for it to be four inches shorter than a regular shotgun, or I mean, SBSing it would really be worth it. Would it be the, worth the $200 tax stamp? That's what I'm saying. The SBS, to have it, to SBS it to put a stock on it, it's not really worth going through all that paperwork and hassle and bull stuff just to have it be four inches shorter than just a standard shotgun. Yeah, but I think that the uh, problem with a pump is that your mag is your bag's heat tube underneath. So if you make it too short, like a servo, you got two rounds in there. You make it much shorter, and you've got 
less. So what do you got there? Four? You can put in there? Uh, five plus one, two and three oh. quarter shells. So five dandy, and then uh, stock, you know, thinking like Terminator guy. Uh, he didn't use stock. And you, 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 unless you have a really, I haven't seen a really good folding stock yet. Uh, they're going to be obnoxious. And then, anyway, I could see the just a pistol grip shotgun being a uh, thing. Maybe not for dove hunting, but for defense use. Truck gun type of stuff. Don't they make that in the box feed now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think know. so, yeah. I, I don't care for that either. To me, the, the, the upside of having a shotgun is that it's, you know, real thin and sleek and slender you can pack it anywhere you know once you attach a magazine it's just i don't know it's weird might as well have a rifle good point there's what are you going to do carry around multiple magazines those things are massive right carry a big backpack yeah but seriously they're huge so to carry around 15 rounds it's like carrying around the physical size of like two ar mags each so at least so It'd be like carrying around, uh, what, 120 rounds of AR mags. Another sweet novelty gun that I like is those little mini revolvers that G's got a bunch of. I really want one. I've never had one, but it's like like a cool trinket piece of jewelry kind of deal. That's the way I look at it. And, uh, I mean, I guess you could, you know, uh, deep conceal one in your pocket or whatever. 22 mag might not be terrible for for like a last ditch kind of thing, but mainly I look at it like a novelty gun. Yeah, those things are awesome. And they definitely would work because they're reliable and they work. They're real guns and they're just awesome to fiddle with. They're like matchbox cars, but they're real. DTP saying the servos, those things are a lot of fun to shoot. That's the a little tiny little pump gun, right? Yeah, the three shot with that little weird vertical grip. I know a couple of people. Yeah, that have, folds. Yeah, push that shit out of those things. They're pretty fun. It takes a little getting used to. It. It's like shooting a Mac Ten. It takes a little getting used to your like relationship with that muzzle. But once you get comfortable with it, it's like shooting an AK pistol. Maybe your AR pistol. You probably get sick of that thing. A lot of noise. You're real close to it. Obnoxious said that mare's leg, which is something I really want, I think they're just a novelty. Oh, see, again, I don't know, maybe a twenty-two, even that. I think it's a great camp gun because you don't have to worry about all that much stock or nothing. But a uh, three fifty-seven or a forty-five, I think that's a super useful. I'd be like a re- almost an ideal truck gun. I really think they're, they're useful. Have anybody's ever shot one? I never have. I want one, but I've never shot one. How about, a, is, how about a Desert Eagle? Hold on, no, we're talking about things right now. So yeah, how many did the does that hold actually? Yours leg depends on which one because it's a, like a tubular magazine, so it depends. Is it? On. Oh. So it's basically just a lever action without a stop. Like a lot of people, I hear them bitching and moaning about AKs because they can't shoulder them or they can't get a. Uh, uh, sight picture on them and so i guess if you're one of them people like you can't interface with a gun unless it's like your grandpa's shotgun then maybe you're not gonna be able to deal with a mare's leg but if you can adapt to a gun and actually use the thing uh those things are you're only shooting a 357 or a 45 it's not like you need a stock 
and uh, like I say, just as being as um, controllable as they are, like uh, as easy to manipulate, uh, they're faster than a regular lever gun. So I could really see them. I'm, I'm, those are one of the things I'm most stoked about. I think those are really cool. I think those could be a really neat option for a truck gun. So I don't know if I could throw it into the category because I really think they're practical. What's the length on that barrel? About is it just a regular lever action? It's just a little bit ahead of where the wood would be, right? They basically chop okay. it in wood. So I don't know what that makes them ten inches. Okay. Now if somebody would just come out with a wood pistol brace for it. That's the thing. I don't know. You guys gotta go try shooting stuff without a stock. I mean, don't get crippled and they happen to have a stock. What if your stock breaks? You're gonna be like, Oh, I'm out of the fight. <laughs> like you can hold a gun up in front of you and shoot it. We do it with pistols all the damn time. Nobody even thinks about it. Yeah, I mean, it takes getting used to. I have uh, I have shot my shockwave a lot. And you can bring it up and get a decent sight picture on it and stuff like that. Uh, it would work, but it wouldn't be optimal for self for like self-defense or whatever. So I, I, I consider it a novelty, but I, I guess, you know, if you practice with it, it could be used effectively. And that's more for close quarters anyways, isn't it? I mean, you're not trying to shoot across the yard or a parking lot, isn't that? I mean, you could probably shoot across your yard. I mean, I've, I've shot it out to 25, like a bunch. I mean, the spread is crazy, but. A lot of zombies. Yeah. Yeah, so my, uh, I cut off Ellis talking about, uh, well, I cut off potatoes. He said, cut off Ellis about talking about the Deagle. Yeah, that's uh, very impractical in my opinion. Yeah, it's novelty. It's cool, though. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't own one, but if I did, it would have to be gold. Because of the cost or because of the caliber? Uh, Size, cost. cost. The cost of the caliber. I mean, mainly just cost. Money was no object. I'd probably have one just because I'd have probably one of just about everything. But Yeah, why not? Yeah, it pretty much all comes back to cost for me. Because they are pretty massive. You shot a 357. I don't know. I guess the 50 must be wider than the 357. But 357 is a handful. The big cartridge to put into a mag and then into a pistol grip. I think if I got one, I'd get the 357 version, though. Oh, really? Not the 44? Because that's uh, like... I don't know. I just like the 357 cartridge, though, too. Which I realize the 44 is just more powerful, but... I can hear you. I like 357. Can you shoot 38, though, out of uh, 357 Deagle? I don't know. Probably not, because it'd be a little shorter, wouldn't it? Yeah, might not feed. I would assume there'd be feeding issues. Right, get messed up in the mag. You can probably single shot it. The Chris Vector. Uh oh. Novelty oh. gun there. Useless hey, for hey, everything. Hey, Useless hey, for toy, everything. <laughs> Watch That's that. That's a toy. That's a toy. What? <laughs> uh, watch that crap. Ellis pass out over there. It's no more or less useful than uh, an MP pistol. 
any pistol caliber carbine really. Um, yeah, yeah. MP five's useless. I didn't say I didn't say that Chris Vector was useless. I just said it was no more or less useful than any pistol caliber, you know, little SBR. You you realize that most subguns are more or less the same amount of usefulness. Yeah, I'm just messing with Alice. Everyone knows I've got a huge affinity for MP5s. And and Ellis understands that he's just messing. Besides, it just depends on the operator anyways. It doesn't have have to do with the firearm. It's yeah. just running it, so it probably would be a toy. And somebody. But have you guys Chris? Have you shot a Vector, one of them Chris Vectors? Or even picked them up? Yeah, I've shot I've, one. I've never even seen one. So <laughs> you pick one up or whatever, I mean, you can tell that it's a lot of gun. And it's a forty-five. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I guess a Thompson is a lot of gun also. But, uh, I mean, I like it for what it did as far as being innovative or whatever, but I'm waiting for the next step because it's big. And uh, as neat as it is, I got to agree it's a novelty thing because it's just too much stuff there to be uh, super practical. You're carrying around too much bulk for the amount of ammo that it can provide you with because it's only 45 with, what, a 10-inch barrel maybe or something? Something yeah. like that. I mean, I, I don't. Did they, why don't they ever make it nine? Seems like if they did it nine, that weight, that counterweight thing, could be so much smaller. Maybe they don't need it in nine. I guess they actually make a Chris Vector in nine forty and ten millimeter. The ten, I can understand, but it, I don't know. Does ten get physically bigger? I'm not sure. Oh, I got an unpopular one. Any bullpup. Oh shit. Hard to disagree with you, man. Their triggers are just heinous. Yeah. Except for the dogs, yeah. right. I've never heard of a job. I like the idea of a bullpup. But from what I've heard, I, and I've never had my hands on one. From what I've heard, the triggers on all of them just suck ass. Have you seen any of the conversion kits for the Remington or the Mossberg? That company that was making the kind of like a casement or whatever that you a surround. Yeah, I've seen. Did you put the receiver in? I've never uh, handled one, but I know what you're talking about. I I've heard a lot of bad things about them. Is it? Cause I I looked at them a few years ago when I first was looking at them, but I know obviously the trigger is kind of funny because it it's you know you're using a trigger bar and it's so far away from the actual action. It's just like a remote thing on the on those conversion ones. I don't know about the real ones, other setup. They're about the same. Is it the it's just basically a remote connection with your trigger assembly? Yeah, it's got a bar that runs back there, I think, and they're horrible. It's like a coating one. <laughs> I had one of those ones that were for the ten twenty two. That that uh, red jacket company made or whatever, and that thing. I mean, that's different because it's a conversion, but that thing was terrible. Oh God, don't talk about that. I used to put conversions together for people when I worked at shops, and yeah, they're all weird. They've all got some sort of a rod that transfers, you know, your trigger action to a real trigger back there somewhere, and it's a rod. 
So, you know, any kind of bow or flex in that rod and it's, you know, you're losing trigger and it makes it mushy and it's difficult. I always thought the, you know, something with like a shielded cable, I don't know what that's called, where you put like a, you know, flexible cable inside of a sheath and then you attach the sheath to the gun and then that way the, the at least the energy gets transferred more directly, I think. But I never saw one use that kind of tech, but. Oh, like the brake cables? Yeah, like a brake cable on a bicycle, right? Yeah. Or a motorcycle or something. Like, you know, that kind of thing seems like uh, it would work a lot better, but they're always just using, at least all the conversions I've done, like KKs and 22s and stuff, were just basically a big, long coat hanger. Actually, it was the kind of metal, like when you get Chinese food, that the little handle's made out of. It was like that kind of shitty metal. A little bit thicker. Huh. Oh, wow. You'd it, think it'd be like a, a like a real shaft, like a you know square stock or something that's in a channel or something, so it wouldn't wouldn't well, flex. To go between the magazine and the receiver of an eight. Ah, uh, okay. So it's yeah, it's got to go. It's horseshoed around or whatever. All right. The one from that ZK twenty two kit that I had a long time ago. It was like a like a piece of aluminum kind of shaped like a ladder it wasn't just a bar so it was like i don't know it was even and it was straight back but it was it was still just mushy and super hard just a piece of crap so yeah i think both pubs are very good well i really wanted to vor until i played with on it nra and i was like wow i have no use for this oh you know that makes it i, I don't know i haven't I, I think that they're solid, but I don't know if I've shot one enough to pay attention to the trigger. I've just shot one to pull the trigger on it. But that shotgun thing, didn't Tavor make that shotgun? That revolving six-shot shotgun? Was that IWI? I think it was. Because uh, I looked at that thing like somebody else was looking at the Tavor at SHOT Show, and I was just standing there being bored, so I picked it up. I didn't go over to look at it, I don't think. I think I was there. It was like in front of me, and I was bored, so I picked it up. And I was impressed. I wish I would have shot it because it seemed super, super solid and just neat. Like, it definitely impressed me because it's Tavor. I mean, Tavor is not cheap. Like, I picked up guns that are cheap, right? Tavor is well made. And this shotgun thing seemed really well made. I don't know, I don't about, know. about manipulation or operation or anything, though. I'm just saying it, just picking it up at, you know, in the building, the shot show, it seemed like a really well made piece of plastic and metal. It could have just been like false or a story or whatever, but somebody told me that when they were when they were designing the Tavor, they drew an outline and said, "Okay, make a gun that looks like that." So it was more made to fit a look or like a style or whatever, and less made for being practical. I don't know. The one I played with at NRAM, just the trigger felt like a Smith and Wesson Sigma trigger. So that was kind of how I felt about it. So even the purposely built ones have that that squishy feel to them. I thought it did. Like I said, I've never shot one. I just played with it there. Hmm. I still want one, but. Not high on my list anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. I want an HK VP70Z so bad. 
That is like the biggest piece of crap gun I've ever wanted, but I still want it. <laughs> I'm surprised G-Webs didn't say anything in 9mm, so I don't know. I kind of want that X, that X1 or whatever flamethrower. Have you seen yeah. that? At, but is that at a model? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, you know, burn my pastures off or something with that. Seems yeah, like I, could I, I was up thinking all about the brush snow. In my backyard with it. I was thinking about my driveway during during winter. I could burst <laughs> yeah, that a, damn snow and I stop having to shovel it. But I don't know. They came in I, red, white, and blue a few years ago. I don't know what they are now, but might not be a good idea. <laughs> I'm guy out there with a flamethrower in the driveway. Seems legit. I keep my neighbors away from me. <laughs> like a good neighbor, stay over there. <laughs> it's the oh, XM42M flamethrower. It's the X. Yeah, I knew it was the X, but that uh, um, was it. Prepper Gun Shop. Yeah, they've they got them. Run... They've got them for sale for like seven hundred bucks right now. Uh, Almost. I, I'd be Almost. Too, too tempted to use it all the time. That'd probably be a bad thing. <laughs> I got a question. Now, obviously, an AR-15 is not like a novelty gun. But what about like the clones of like the old A1s? Obviously, they'd still be a very functional AR, you know, accurate and all that. But for that same price, you could buy or build something that's a little bit more modern. With that in mind, would you consider the older style, like the A1 clones, a novelty? No. No. Did you hold? Would, have no. you seen or held one of those Brownells clones? They're pretty nice. Not yeah. yet, but I plan on it. <laughs> Notice I put the or held in there for Patriot. Appreciate it. <laughs> Though you know what you know what I define as a novelty, those AR-15s that are uh, that are pump action instead of actual semi-automatic, I think that's novelty. Aren't those done more like to skirt certain states' gun laws, though? Yeah, they, they, they California compliant. Nobody laws; they comply with. Sorry, comply with laws. <laughs> um, what was the last one that we were talking about? Fortnite Strike said that one. The A1 clones. I was oh, yeah. asking oh, if Brownells making one that looks like an old one is still novelty because who the hell's tested that thing to see if it's if it's a strong gun or not? Anything can look like something, right? So, but if you're talking like buying old parts or getting an old gun, yeah. I think. I mean, I guess it would be cool and it would have some character, but it's literally proven and it's done stuff. So I don't think it's just a novelty. I think it's still practical. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying for the same price as you're paying for this clone, uh, you could get either get something that's more modern or get something that's older that's already proven. I was just wondering what the opinion was on it. I think it'd still be fully usable. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't hesitate to grab one of the Brownells clones. But some people would say, oh, no, why would you do that when you could get one with, like, a M-lock rail and this and that and the other, you know? Grab an m or grab a Brownells clone to go to the range and shoot? Sure, but take a Brownells gun. It's the fan? Hell no. 
At least not if there's something else to grab. Choice. Relative, you said 3D printed gun. Well, it's, it's not a novelty. It'll blow your hand off if you shoot it. So it's got a use. You didn't like your hand. Right. Unless you made one of those AR-15 lowers where you get 50 or 500 rounds off before it breaks. But good luck. I would say if you got the money to buy a 3D printer to make your own gun, you could just buy a gun. Yeah. Exactly. If you're not allowed to just go buy a gun, then you shouldn't buy a 3D printer to go make a gun. Yep. Georgia Rebel said lever action rifle, and I strongly disagree with that. Yeah, so do I. I disagree with that too. Lever actions definitely still have a play. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I think that a, a lever gun in this day and age, is still a viable self-defense weapon. That's what I was going to say. I wouldn't be afraid of in a shit-hit-the-fan scenario to have a Winchester 94. I would say or, that... Um, or 92, for that matter. A very very similar to having a pump-action shotgun. No one ever says... No one's ever. Most people are not going to condemn you for wanting a pump-action shotgun in a shit-hits-the-fan situation. To me, the lever-action rifle kind of fits the same bill, except you can reach out further with it. Well, think about this. If you're carrying, let's say, a lever action chambered in 357 Magnum and you carry in a 357 Magnum revolver. Yeah, there's that too. Absolutely. And you so might. Wouldn't be my choice, but I'd never, you know, say anyone else is wrong for choosing that. That's a great, that's a great setup there. And that is a great setup. So, so you're going to put on 238s, why not do it 357? I'm sorry, do what? No, let's just say a 38 lever gun, 38 revolver. No, I said 357. Oh, okay. You know, I grew up shooting a Winchester 94 30 30, and I'm pretty sure I could shoot that, you know, pretty dang fast, just that. I had that Daisy Red Rider lever gun. Are we going to have to call you the rifleman? Yeah, that'll work. But, uh, I didn't say I was accurate with it. I said I was fast. Oh, okay. okay. There's, there's a difference. All right. I think all that vaping noise is going to be our cue to move along. So we started a little bit late. So it's going to be kind of keep up um, with the uh, hour, but we'll do our best. So that was uh, talking about novelty guns. People have a lot of other suggestions out there. That were pretty good so we'd probably talk about this again or if you're looking for content for your own show think about novelty guns it kept us going for a bit here and like i say there's lots of other suggestions out there we didn't even hit them all but let's hit um our member of the day today it's uh tony so uh tony who does uh, early watch tony out of illinois um good guy uh, been around gun channels for a while now i should probably look up his member number while we're sitting around and um does the early watch show whenever somebody can help him out with hosting it. Uh, showed up in Tulsa and had a good time with everybody. And uh, I think a pretty good inspiration for people that are uh, you know, debating whether or not to jump on the gun channels or on the gun community in general. He's an old guy. Might not think your typical, what do you call it, like gun internet guy. But uh, 
he's out there breaking all the rules. So we both come channel square. He's a great guy. He's got a lot of a lot of information that that a lot of people kind of overlook. He also helps I, me I like uh, post uh, the morning strike when he's not hunting. And with something we're doing on the side until we can get the early watch back up and running. So Tony is 4405. You know, I can figure out where you are. It's 4405. Anybody else need to know their number? I I don't know mine. I'll just look mine up. Ellis is 5639. Remember, nice trace off. I didn't know I came before I, I Ellis. Didn't even, I didn't realize I had a number. Everybody has a membership number when they join up, basically. Oh, wow. I thought Alice was before me. Dang, I'm ahead of Alice. Alice? Oh, I've only been on Gun Channel since uh, July of last year. I pull rank on him or Gizzard. I joined in June. <laughs> I was in February of last year. Why can't I find Patriot? What do you go by on Gun Channels? Uh, a Shot in the Dark is actually the name I'm under. <laughs> I changed that, you know, kind of trying to be incognito but i'm i'm a shot in the dark oh okay and then it comes up if it with my my reader and stuff sometimes on my post and i just thought it was funny nobody's ever brought that up um hold on there's not one of those so in the side chat is can you get the side chat um maybe Oh, Night Strike is twelve fourteen. Night Strike's OG. Yeah. OG uh, triple OG triple triple. I don't think I'd go that far, but I went and looked it up, G, and it says I'm twelve fourteen. I'm like, I thought there were more people before me than that. Right on. Been a member for a long time. So anyway, it's just something we've been doing. We're coming up on the fifth year of Gun Channel, so. Um, uh, we've just been talking about member numbers. All right, so um, and we had a couple of new people in here tonight, so I figured I'd look them up. So we talked about Tony a bit, and let's mention, since we're talking Tony, that uh, one of the things he's a big fan of and he's helped uh, keep people aware of is the those uh, sanctuary counties in Illinois. If Ozzy's out there, and I thought he was, um, he can uh, let us know. I think the last I heard it was like something. It was more than 22. Was it 30-something counties? So, uh, anyway, that's kind of neat. DTP is asking. Just close the window. Anyway, so we'll move on from Tony and talk about the best... Oh, great. This, oh, best way to... I don't know what this means. Best way to transport... Best way to run with a gun. Let's put it that way. So, this is an expert panel. We're all runners. We're all a little bit different. Some of us are sprinters and some of us are long distance runners. Others of us are marathons or triathlons. So yeah, you'll get a really diverse uh, bunch of answers from the panel tonight. So what do you all use for running? How do you carry your guns when you're running? In a holster on my head. But I run very short distances, like uh, from the bedroom to the refrigerator. <laughs> I'm fast, so chances are if I'm running, I'm going to have my gun out pointed at what I'm running from. 
there's 32 counties in Illinois. There's only like 100 counties. So that's 30% of Illinois is saying nope to state firearms infringements. Thanks, Night Strike, for leading the way on that. Wait, what? They listened to you, obviously, and they quit being infringed. 32 counties in Illinois said they're going to be gun sanctuary cities, meaning they're not going to obey uh, unconstitutional Illinois gun laws. We're Finally, somebody's that. listening. Finally. And sanctuary counties? Right. Well, so, yeah, it actually says best way to transport while gun running. Is that what I put on the thing? No, it says bragging about your firearms. So I don't know what happens. Bob goes in there and gets drunk, and he just scribbles all over our notes. Be bad. So we're going to go with bragging about your firearms. So what are we going to, is this just open? Are you going to brag about them, or are we going to talk about people who brag about them? Or are we going to talk about how to brag about them, or what are we talking about here? I, I think I think we should talk about Night Strike bragging about his 320. Do you brag about like a gun all the time, or do you like brag about a different gun each time you're going to brag, or do you like make sure that each gun gets bragged about so that you know you know what I mean like you don't brag about one gun until you've bragged about all the others first? Well, you have to uh, brag about all your guns. I mean, you don't want your you don't want your Smith and Wesson to get jealous of over your Rugers or your Ruger to get jealous over the ARs. You know, you got to bring them all. The way you stop them from being jealous is you separate them in the in the safe. So all my Cold War pistols are on the the left side, and my American pistols are on the right side, and they're separated. Because I don't want any trouble. I always do it by just finding just one thing about each gun that that is the reason i have that gun that is why it's the best for what i wanted it for etc patriot and where do you put your post cold war guns uh they're on the on the bad guy side okay. uh, all, all the you know eastern european stuff is on on the left side just making sure. Not a problem. You don't want to fight in there. No. At least I don't. But like the bragging that at at the gun shop where the the guy is talking off the side of his neck about, you know, oh I have this and it's some, you know, super rifle or something, you know, and everybody around is just like trying to get away from him. I don't like that. Yeah. There's actually a, a gun shop in Fenton, south of south of where where I used to work down there. And that small gun shop, guns, guns galore, they pretty much have anything. Anything you can imagine they you know, if you ask, they they pretty much have it. And this little cocky young guy and his girlfriend came in there, and they were asking about some some movie rifle sniper kind of setup, whatever. Just thinking he was was uh, you know being snotty about it, 
And the guy's like, yeah, I got it, you know, 20 grand or whatever it was. And I was kind of shooting the braggart down, I guess. But I don't know if that goes with what we're talking about, but it was a funny story. <laughs> oh, I don't have a problem bragging about, about my guns. I don't have a problem bragging about my guns at all. And I, I don't know. I don't really consider... Like, uh, if I'm telling you what I just did to my gun and, you know, I just refinished the stock and I just did this and, oh, look how good it looks. You know, I put all this work into it. I want to, I'm going to want to talk about it, but I'm not one to be like, oh, dude, mine's so much better than yours. You should have done this instead, or you should have bought one of these. Why would you buy that? You know, I like talk. I should say I like talking about my stuff. Like when I'm, when it's fresh in my mind or when I'm, you know, just got done messing with it or. I think bragging sounds, sounds kind of negative to me so usually the person that's bragging either doesn't have it or doesn't know what he's talking about that's that's my first impressions with, with the bragging I think, I think like potato said there's a lot of difference when just telling somebody about it versus bragging yeah it's, it's all about finesse i think i would say tact but okay well, you know finesse I mean, I know I can brag on my Glock. It's got to be better than Night Strikes 320, but, you know, that's just me. Yeah, but, but but you're Maverick 88. I'm just <laughs> telling you. If you knew how much I shoot shotguns, you'd know why I own a Maverick 88. Because you want to go to the bottom of the barrel. I know. <laughs> I'm a tightwad. So, like that. Sorry, go ahead. You can finish, I guess. You guys seen the the meme or whatever where it's your friends I won't interrupt you anymore. You can go ahead and finish. Where the sale it says salesman slaps the top of P three twenty and then it just says bang. Put a lot of bangs in there. I did see that, it was funny. It's a lot of bang for your buck. So we've been talking about bragging about our guns or whatever. So there's lots of different ways we're watching the chats and stuff. There's ways that people can brag about their stuff, right? So everybody's got different other interests out there, right? Do people get into it that much? I guess you get into it that much about your cars because cars can, at least cars are something I'm familiar about that people can get into. And, you know, you can have an old car or you can have an old car that's original or you can have an old car that's been tweaked with modern stuff in it. You can have an old sleeper. You know, you can just have an old beater and everybody can appreciate whatever they got, right? But they're all kind of from six feet away or from somebody who doesn't really care. They're just some old car, right? And now that I'm thinking about it, I think computers are kind of like that too, to some extent. And those are the things I'm familiar with. But is there a lot of other stuff uh, that gets that into that much minutia uh, as far as hobbies or areas of interest? that you guys are aware of, like other interests, hobbies and things that you're into? That you crazy. I'm not too much into shoes, but I know some people get to really bragging about their shoes. Like, oh, these came out in 96. There was 11 pairs made or whatever. People get really into shoes. A lot of people are funny like that about fishing equipment. I'm like, well, what are you doing fishing with that Zebco? You're not going to catch anything with that. You've got to have this reel and this rod, you know. Pocket fisherman? Anything that will throw a line in the water and hold a hook will potentially catch a fish. It won't have to cost no million dollars. 
I guess I have an ulterior motive for asking that, and that is do we have an angle with people when they want to tell us, because a lot of times tell us the gun owners are just you know, compensating for our genitals or that we're violent or that we're just simple. You know, we don't care. We don't really understand the consequences, the implications of our frivolous hobby and the violence that it causes, you know. So does, is there an angle? To uh, by sharing our interest in the the minutia and the variances and the and the you know the the lineage or all the different aspects of our hobbies of our firearms hobbies is there value in that sharing that and getting that information out there so that we don't seem like just black and white like oh they're just over there being violent or weird or hateful or whatever it is they want to throw at us. Oh, I think gun owners are about like everybody else. People, people, certain people value certain things. Some people want the latest, greatest new stuff. Some people want the old, you know, collectible stuff, and they show, you know, show their pictures to everybody. And uh, it's about like showing pictures of your grandkids. Sometimes show people pictures of your guns. <laughs> yeah, people do that of their cars or their vacations or their dogs, right? Or they could, you know, all kinds of things. Right. You know, that was the whole principle behind me starting this channel to begin with, with the interviews and stuff. It was to let people know that us gun guys. Did you just take over our channel? No. Okay. Your no. channel. Well, I'm just talking about my channel. Oh, okay. It's like, what? No, it's, it's, that's, the, the reason I started my interview show was to, you know, get inside people's head, first of all. And let the other people out there know that us gun people are into other things besides guns. We all have outside interests. And, you know, the left focuses so much on the fact that we own guns. They don't take time to realize that hey, we also focus on cars or fishing or board games, video games, you know, football. They're all acknowledges as people. Exactly. Well, they'll also go, oh, this guy's got 13 guns, but they don't think about that. That could be just some weirdo that likes having you know, 13 different versions of this gun with different grips and different finishes and different sights. And, you know, this the commemorative one or you know, People are allowed to just geek out on stuff the way they might geek out on whatever they're interested in. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like the, the car guy. Car guy's got... 10, 15 cars in his collection that he could use to run over 100 people with. And that's more likely to happen than somebody going out and shooting somebody with one of their fucking guns. I feel like people that hoard cars like that, they also just buy a bunch of gasoline that they hoard and then they run those cars with the air conditioning going with the windows down. And they just run them like that all, all the time. That's how I feel like those people do. Mm -hmm. Could be, could be. One thing I'd add, though, versus the bragging, like in some other circles, like cars or whatever, you know, normally they don't say, oh, here's the keys, take it for a drive. But if you go to the range and somebody's showing you their gun, like, oh, you want to shoot it? You know, I think the gun community is a lot friendlier as a whole and more willing to let you, you know, try something they've got or something versus other communities. That's true. I think Pancake out there summed up my thoughts on that. I think when you can talk in depth about guns, like the history of the hand loading, people see it as more of a respectable hobby, not just that you own a ton of guns. 
That's good. It's good for some once in a while. All right, so we try to talk about history. I'm going to give you guys links so you can all dig in and help. Maybe that's the way to start doing this. Everybody just digs in and starts figuring out what all history. Till then, we'll talk about the, um, what are we talking about today? The National Firearms Museum in Virginia. So that's the NRA's museum. Every day we try to feature a gun shop, and today it's a museum. And uh, has anybody been to the NRA museum in here? No. I have not. I have not either. I don't know if I did. I put the thing on GunTube or on GunStreamer, probably. Let's see if there's something here. Anyway, when we went on our trip in 12, we drove around and we were trying to check out manufacturers, but we hung out in uh, Tennessee with uh, Jaeger, and he uh, let us know that he knew people at NRA to get us down in the basement over there. We didn't even know there was a basement. So by the time we got to D.C., everything was arranged, and we met up with the uh, people and did a big tour of the whole place and got down into their vault. I guess I don't have a video of it posted right now, but... Um, uh, Anyway, underneath the NRA headquarters, I think we've talked about it before, I'm sure everybody's seen it. It's not the biggest museum, but it's certainly a neat one. And I'm pretty sure all the guns in it are donated to the NRA. Like, people die or they just donate their guns to the NRA. Uh, so there's lots of neat stuff there, like an entire assortment of all the different variations of, like, the M1 Grand or the 1903 or whatever. You know, people have really neat collections and then donate them to the NRA so that, you know, theoretically they'd be on display for everybody. So they've got a lot of neat stuff, and everybody likes to hate on the NRA. Um, one of the things they do is curate a museum of one-of-a-kind stuff. They do. Yeah, we might have done the NRA museum the other day because I think I screwed around with this thing, or Bob was in here messing with us. How's that? Tries to sabotage this. Hi, Bob. Still a cool museum. I still want to go. Oh, yeah, definitely worth going. And if you're anywhere near D.C., it's a half-a-day trip type of thing. Well, maybe a day trip if you're a gun person, but not far to get to. Uh, definitely not a half-a-day to get to it. Like, half-a-day to get to it, see it, and get back to here wherever you're at. So you could ditch your family or whatever and go over to it and pick them up at the end of whatever boring thing they're doing. Of course, I say that, and I live 20 minutes from J.M. Davis and haven't been there since I was probably 15 well, I'd get right with that. Unless you're 16, get that, get that record. Yeah, I'll work on that. So let's see. Today is also Airborne Day. So in 2011, um, Bush uh, set aside today to recognize, uh, I think, all the armed forces that are airborne. So when you jump out of an airplane, you're airborne. When you jump off a helicopter with a rope, you're air assault. So that's the difference. And uh, so kudos to them. And it's also a day that a lot of people think Elvis died. So I posted a video about that and got some interesting stuff. Pancake posted something he said earlier, but I haven't looked at it. Um, but a, I did get a couple of questions from people who want to know why I put Elvis in there on a gun calendar. But how many human beings have walked into the White House and presented the President of the United States with a gun? I mean, it was pretty much commonplace back in the day, but you could probably still count the number of human beings, right? have never been able to do that and he had to be one of the last ones i bet just because of the security and all that shit now
Also, he had a lot of guns. Has anybody been to Graceland before? Yeah, I have. Did you get to see yeah. the gun? Did you go on the tour of the back? Yeah, different... we got to see pretty much everything out there. Because there's some tours where you just go and see the house and you leave, and then the big tour you go out, and then in the at least when I went there before, you go into the back rooms. Kind of, I don't know if they must not. I don't know if they were there when he lived there, but they were sort of like extra buildings in the back, and that housed a lot of his like stuff and his, you know, things that people would want to see. And in there were all his guns, but yeah, yeah. guns for sale. So I don't know if the estate sold them or if they were just other guns or what. I know they had this one thing that started out being a racquetball court. It ended up being a trophy room. And it had a bunch of stuff in it. I don't recall if there were any guns in there or not. This was like 10 years ago. So, Yeah, I haven't gone into the things for a long, long time. Yeah, I lived in Memphis. Or I was stationed there for a while, and, and I never made it there. And then on my, my first honeymoon, I actually stayed across the street at uh, uh, a hotel over there for a night, but never got in there. Had better things to do than go to a museum? No, nah, I probably would have. I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Grayson when I was a kid, but I don't remember anything about it, really, and I don't remember any guns, but we may not have went on the big tour or something. I don't know. Basically, Graceland is just his house, right? And then he was rich back in the day, so he bought, I think, all the houses around it and knocked them down. So it was like he had his house kind of just in a neighborhood, and he had, like, more than one property sort of thing. It wasn't that big, really. And then across the street, and some I don't know what was across the street originally, they have, like, the museum and, like, his airplanes and stuff, his cars and limousines or whatever. And so one tour, you just go to the planes and airplanes or the stuff on one side of the street, and you just go to the museum. The other tour, you walk in the house... And then the big tour, yeah, he went out back. You see his grave. He's living buried there with his family. And uh, there's like a shed where he used to shoot into. That was kind of neat. But I imagine it's a little big deal. It's just a big, weird house. Rock Island Auctions, um, I think it was the end of last year, just put up a couple of his pistols. Had, had some up on the auction. Yeah, I don't know, remember, remember which one it was, but I remember seeing that it was... Um, and I think it's CCW or something. It could have been, because I, I know he had a lot of different stuff like that. And his um, CCW was like a piece of paper that said, like, Elvis can do what he wants, and like signed by the governor. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some, several of his cars in Nashville. They had a museum over there, but... So uh, Midnight says he put a link to the Smithsonian Magazine article about the day Elvis was at the White House. So it's under that video. Um, Studley was asking about the videos. He said, uh, could you post or link or tell me the name of the video where you visit that one ammo collection guy? I didn't take video. He doesn't want video of the museum, of his place. So what I've got is a bunch of tiny videos, little pictures and stuff of individual items just looking at the bullet, but nothing of the place, the facility. So there is no like video that you've missed or anything. It's just the little snippets. Uh, Sarge is asking when Night Strike is going to get the iOS. Is that uh, for GunTube version of the thing for GunTube? Well, probably when some scratch happens, right? Those aren't cheap. Yeah, no, it's not. So not anytime soon. 
crazy. So it looks like uh, Midnight keeps chatting in about things about that uh, visit. So it looks like it's even more interesting to read about. All right. So looks like Ray found the chat. Yeah, I wasn't sure what you were asking there. Um, when's the last time you were on? But um, yeah, you just find the channel. And we've got a schedule up at the top of each uh, page on Gun Channels. There's a link to the schedule. We try to post the daily schedule at the top of the main page when you log in. And then while people are live, um, they'll have their their shows embedded here. And uh, most most everybody's pretty good about letting people know on the main page when they go live. Oh, good to see you found it. And should we dig into history now? So everybody's had a chance to dig through that page a little bit. I haven't even looked at it. Anything good happen today? So basically just go to that link that I sent you and go to the August 16th. Nineteen eighty two, the first compact disc are released to the public in Germany. Nineteen ninety two? Eighty two. Eighty two. Eighty two. Holy crap, that's way sooner than I ever had a C D. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, CDs were eighties technology. Yeah, my, first, my first CDs, I was like I was in high school, I think, so way after that. My first CD was a no doubt C D. <laughs> <laughs> my first were the first CDs. Like I had CDs when they first started making CDs, and it wasn't like artists made CDs. They just made albums, and then they also put them on CDs. There was like nothing extra on the CD at all. Hmm. Man, there's a lot of stuff. Then, but but. Uh, Aretha Franklin died today in 2018. Oh, yeah, so we mentioned that on my YouTube video. In 1858, President Buchanan inaugurates the Transatlantic Telegraph Cable. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. What year was that? 1858. Do you know who built the wire for that cable? And do you know who built who why they built that cable? No, I do not. Was a Morris Code, so that guy, Morris Code guy, invented the concept of talking across wires, and then he made that Morris Code, right? Uh -huh. You know, wire cables for that. Nope. It was somebody who we all know, and. Uh, he was a he was a firearms inventor. Uh, he needed a bank to he need, no, it was eighteen sixty something. Oh, he needed it to fund his second attempt at a revolver. His hmm. first attempt was a failure. He started making underwater mines, hooked up with Morris because he was making an underwater mine that well, this was before remote control. So the underwater mine must have had some kind of cable going to it. More importantly, it had some kind of amplifier battery thing that Morse code guy needed to make his wire go across the ocean. This is back in the days, you know, olden days. So they needed things to, to what they call that, retransmit or whatever, amplify and keep transmitting down the wire. So this guy had made a failed attempt at a revolver and had only a few orders for it and still wanted to make a revolver. Anyway, it was cold. So one of the things Colt did was make wire, and that was one of the first things, a transatlantic wire thing. He made a big deal about 
promoting that so that they'd buy his wire for $50 a mile. That was cool. That funded the walker. Pretty much. The walker was a hit. 2,300 nautical miles. It hit more ways than one. <laughs> Funny. All right. Well, that was a bunch of stuff in here, but yeah, not that many, all that interesting. There's some war stuff in there. Six uh, Medal of Honor. Well, it's all war stuff predominantly, but it's just all kind of, I mean, it's all important to some extent. Obviously, it was a part of the people involved and probably to the theaters that they were in if they were in here, but it's just so specific. Like Colonel whatever parachutes from a balloon over New Mexico at 100,000 feet, setting three records until 2012. I mean, that's interesting, I guess. But, well, how about uh, 1812? Uh, the USS Constitution recaptures an American merchant break, uh, Adeline. Okay, so that's what I mean. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that made a big deal to the people on the app. I always like to look at the first one, too, because it's usually super old. So 1691, Yorktown, Virginia was founded. 1691. So you should contact Bob and ask him what that was like in 1691. Yeah, at the time, he was still wearing, like, a little uh, loincloth and sitting around. And... <laughs> oh, God, don't put that in my head. I know what Bob looks like. All right, so I don't know. Are we wrapping it up? That's pretty much the show. Everybody, everybody's getting what they paid for tonight. Uh, <laughs> got uh, 28 people watching, and had a lot of conversation going on. Uh, like I said, I think doing something on novelty guns, if you're looking for topics for your own shows, that might be worth talking about. Um, and, yeah, like I say, bragging, there might be something to that. Maybe we, uh, maybe we can know, have more than just fun bragging about it. Anyway, uh, Potatoes, you have a link up, it looks like. You're going to have a live show after this one where certain people can be invited to talk about guns. Yes. That's cool. Thanks for having those shows every evening. Uh, in the morning, like Nightstrike said, it, depending on if Tony's hunting, it's his hunting season right now. So if he doesn't go hunting or he gets rained out, you guys will sometimes have the morning strike. The morning strike, and we'll either do it for half an hour or an hour. It just depends on whether we decide to go to full hour or not. Right on. And then uh, after that, Knives typically opens a live lobby, an open room where anybody can join in, and the link will provided that you can join in and be in that open lobby. And then uh, in the afternoon, the easy. How much I say? The primetime shows start popping up. Uh, we talked about the schedule a little earlier. It's at the top page of uh, Gun Channels, but uh, tomorrow we should see uh, Right of the People. Budget comes in here at 7 p.m. Eastern. He does a show. Uh, Over does his Friday show. That's at 10 Eastern. I think Budget said he wasn't having a show this week. Yeah, but he postponed it till Sunday. Yeah. Or something. And then I think I need to update this because I thought there was another one. No, I guess not. And then Edge does his at 11, and then we're back here at midnight. So, um, there was something I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe I just want to mention anything, plug anything before we head out. If you're bored, you can always come check out my one video and and go and sub midnight. Being such a nice guy. 
Right on. Is it getting a lot of views? For me, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what's a lot of views, but uh, a lot of people that I talk to haven't heard of it. So, so I guess I, I haven't been talking about it enough. But uh, uh, Midnight Range, he put out his a commercial on his page for it. So uh, if anybody wants a copy of that to, to push or to let people know that I'm, I was working all day on a, a new video and yeah that's, that's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun you know i was trying to trying to get a little different curve on it and kind of give you know a different perspective on firearms and everything that there's there's other people out there that that kind of are in the shadows that i don't know aren't normally uh, considered as firearms guys, but there's a lot of us out there. Yeah, so whenever you're doing something so new, oh, go ahead. I was just to say, whenever you're doing something new, you know, it's not like you can just put it on some established track and watch it go. So it's going to be interesting to see how it kicks on. But the fun part is it's like fishing or, uh, I don't know, other things where, you know, you've got a little bit of chaotic uh, flavor there so you never know that's the kind of stuff that can go viral so really looking forward to seeing where you can take that and if so anybody's are... got suggestions or or questions you know questions too because obviously you know not many people know you know totally blind firearm owners and you know people that, that like to shoot so if you have any questions or you know, any ideas you know throw them in the comments or find me on on gun channel so what is the subject of your first video? My first video was just basically a field strip of a 1911, but it's it was more describing each section, which is kind of a pain because I'm not used to obviously talking when I do that. So I, I had to slow it down a lot and then actually describe so that, say, you're visually impaired, you know, because it... Because like me, when I looked at videos, there was a lot of times I went through videos and I had to go through, you know, five, 10, 20 different videos before I got a whole picture of what, what needed to be done to do something, you know, because people go, oh yeah, you just pull this out. Well, what is this and which way does it go and where did it come from? You know, so I'm trying to, you know, focus on what I, how I picture it, you know, more of, of you know, kind of basically like a like a text document, you know, step by step. But it's kind of awkward because I'm, you know, talking and, and you know, enunciating it all. It, it's kind of uh, something different because obviously, I, you know, I, I do it, but, you know, to, to speak it, it's a lot different. So so it, it, it does kind of sound choppy, at least it does to me. But I, I guarantee I am not reading it off cue cards. You know, and you see my hand, so I'm not reading Braille. So there's <laughs> there's no reading going on. This is all all uh, kind of a ebb and flow. So. Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were doing it, because like you say, you did it in one take. After ever many takes, you had practiced or you know done it. And um, I've done I I've definitely done my share of that kind of thing where it's easier to just do it six times and get it right than to deal with editing it later. So. Um, I was uh, I was pretty impressed by uh, you know by the time you were about halfway through, uh, you were pretty much you know reciting it as if you were had memorized it or had some kind of photographic memory or 
well, I guess he'd done it a few times, but it was definitely uh, impressive. And I don't know. I don't think that, you know, he didn't have like big neon butters across screen saying, remember I'm blind or anything. Yeah. It was pretty cool to see because a lot of times, you know, somebody can present that, but like you say, they'll, they'll have pauses and they'll have edits in there or at least they're uh, during their pauses, you know, like you say, they're looking at cue cards or something. So right on. So like I yeah. say, you know, uh, people aren't going to, you know, that doesn't go unnoticed. So like I say, you might, you might see something. I don't know. I don't, just, I don't think of anyone who's ever done anything like this before. So looking forward to it. it today I had, I, I did it and I kind of broke it up into pieces and you know i had the the dog going across the tile floor so you get this little pitter patter and then i get text messages or you know tweets and stuff that come through and since my my phone is what i'm recording it on it you know it announces it and so right in the middle of me saying something you know it just starts blabbing and stuff and it you know sometimes it kind of throws me off a little bit you start laughing and you know I don't know if most people would be under able to understand it because you know it talks a little fast, but it's, it's kind of odd. But it's a process. So, like I said, if if anybody's got any ideas or questions, you know, throw them at me, and I'm I'm an open book. <laughs> and like I explained to to our our friend Nightstrike, you know, you could say anything, any jokes, any of that stuff. It doesn't bother me. You know, and I, I try to throw out the blind jokes first, you know, just to make it easier on everybody else. So you're not so uncomfortable or whatever, bringing stuff up. So, you know, doesn't bother me. And if it does bother me, I'll tell you. So. <laughs> right on. Well, if somebody wants a guest, sounds like you're willing to jump on and uh, be a guest on somebody's show or something. Ellis. All right. So, uh, Gary, anything coming up? Uh not too much, really. I'm probably going to be out of pocket pretty much all day tomorrow helping my daughter move. I don't know when I'm going to get back and if I'll even be alive when it's all said and done. So, what's it good Turn a camera on, leave George, and probably get a bunch of views. Yeah, know. probably. Everybody likes him a lot more than they do me. Well, <laughs> put a bunch of things on a table and then let him like have all day to knock them all over. <laughs> it won't take him long. At least put one loaded gun up there and see if he can do a desk pop. <laughs> Catnip. Be shooting at all the dogs in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. I have the police at my door when I get home. We've seen those pictures of the kittens at the windows with guns. Yep. All right, Ellis, you still doing shows? Did they run you off the internet yet? Oh, you left. They ran him off the internet. He's been NSA'd. Worse. He went full gizzard on us and went to sleep. Oh, is that a thing now? Yeah, the full gizzard. It's amazing how everything gets blamed on me. I learned from Sarge. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, Ellis has left the building. We will uh, end it. Anybody have a quote? Yeah, I have one. Go with it. This is uh, James Earl Jones. The world is filled with violence. Because criminals carry guns, we decent law-abiding citizens should also have guns. Otherwise, they will win, and the decent people will lose.
guys and gals of gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com.